It's me, it's me, it's ABC, coming back at you live. So, <laughs> I tried to do this show last week. First of all, the call in number is Erico 563 Now, tried to do this particular show last week, but um, I had an audio problem where it just totally screwed it up. So, the problem was I couldn't re-redo the show like I did like some weeks ago because I had things to do later that day. So, I'm like, okay, let's schedule it for another day. So, schedule it for... Actually, I originally scheduled it for Saturday. Ended up having to work, so, but I was off today. So, I was like, okay, let's do this. Let's do this show today. problem was between... Two Saturdays ago when I did my last show, and today I busted up my computer pretty good, and now it kind of barely works. So every now and then you may you may experience something with my computer acting kind of wonky, and I apologize for that beforehand, but again, it's my own clumsiness that did it. So I have to, it's something I got to deal with until I get a new one. Now for today's redo. I'm going to go into why it is that blacks need to get a divorce from the Democrat Party. Because honestly, and you hear a lot of black conservatives talk about the Democrat Party and with respect to the black community, vis-a-vis the black community. But I'm going to try to put together as compelling an argument as I can. And I'm going to try to deviate from the norms, if you understand what I mean. I'm going to bring this argument from a from a different perspective, and hopefully it's something that's going to resonate. So, again, um, I'm going to take the show. Look at the show notes; it's there on the page. The show notes are a bit out of order. I I inadvertently wrote all the jotted down all the notes and stuff, and I realized that it was out of order. So I, that was inadvertent. I didn't mean to do that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to organize the show in my head, and then we'll go we'll go that way. So it's going to be a lot of bouncing around the show notes, but if you follow me, it's going to make a lot of sense. The way I the way I have it in my head, it should make sense. Now a lot of times what's in my head doesn't really translate to what really comes out, but in my head it makes sense. So I'm hoping that when I put it out over the airways, it's going to make as much sense as it does in my head. If that if that uh, makes sense. But to open my rant, I want to talk about education and not about school choice yet. That's coming. That's coming in this. That's coming in the coming lecture. But I want what I want to talk about is leftist education because if you and I've had this discussion, debate, if you will, with the leftists about if uh, Christian doctrine should be taught in schools. And it's something that I raised on purpose, and the reason why I raised this on purpose was because there was a specific thing that came out some weeks ago, and I'm going to play that in a minute. But it speaks to the leftist idiocy and the way they're willing to tap dance around um, double issues of double standards. So I asked them directly, I asked them, do, should Christian or any kind of religious dogma, Christian, any kind of religious dogma be taught in schools? Now, they laughingly approve it, Islam or whatever, which we know how they feel about Islam. If you don't, if you don't know, then 
I think it was the last week's show when I talked about it. But usually in their head, they formulate this whole Christian doctrine by, you know, Judeo-Christian Zionist biblical teaching, right? So in the, they formulate that in their head, and they spit out the answer no. And the reason why is because they say they staunchly believe in separation of church and state. Okay. Whatever, right? Because separation of church and state has really nothing to do with um, educational curricula vis-a-vis the public school system. But it's still what they it's still what they default to. So let's say, just for argument's purposes, that what they're saying is absolutely correct, right? No, it's not. But let's just say it's absolutely correct. And re- separation of church and state does encompass school curricula. Well, you would think that they would kind of have a point there, but they don't. Why? Because of this. So when I roll this out to them and I ask them, okay, should this be taught in, why is this being taught in school and you actually support this, then they don't have an answer. Why? Because it speaks to the double standard. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play a clip that came out a couple of weeks ago. And this clip came from a church and it came from a Lutheran church somewhere in Minnesota. I'm not going to say the name. I don't really care what the name is, but it's, it's on YouTube. So uh, if you go to YouTube, look up Sparkle Creed, and you'll see it. Now, the Sparkle Creed came from Lutheran, again, came from Lutheran Church in Minnesota. And if you listen to it, you will hear the education system. So here's the Sparkle Creed. Go. I invite you to rise in body or spirit. And let us confess our faith today in the words of the Sparkle Creed. I believe in the non-binary God, whose pronouns are plural. I believe in Jesus Christ, their child, who wore a fabulous tunic and had two dads, and saw everyone as a sibling child of God. I believe in the rainbow spirit, who shatters our image of one white light, and refracts it into a rainbow of gorgeous diversity. I believe in the church of everyday saints as numerous, creative, and resilient as patches on the ace quilt, whose feet are grounded in mud and whose eyes gaze at the stars in wonder. I believe in the calling to each of us that love is love is love. So, beloved, let us love. I believe, glorious God, help my unbelief. Amen. I invite you to rise in body or... Hang on. There we go. Now, does that sound like what's being taught in schools? Yes, it does. So I asked these people why it is that they vehemently oppose Christian doctrine, biblical doctrine being taught in schools, because of a separation of church and state, yet they're okay with this being taught in the schools. And if you if you play this for them in the midst of a debate about um, school curriculum, then you literally make them short circuit. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take a break. And when I come back, we're going to get into this lecture, lecture about Blacks needing a divorce from the Democrat Party. And again, I'm going to 
put together as compelling an argument as I can. I'm going to hit it from a, um, from a completely different direction. So this is what I'm going to do when I come back in about 10 minutes. Um, you're listening to ABC on SoundCloud. Hey, let's take a minute and meet Clark Kent, our Superman. Chief, believe me, you're in for a treat just as soon as Jimmy gets back here. Great Caesar's ghost. What's holding him up? You know I can't work without a good breakfast. Chief, Jimmy's bringing a box of Kellogg's Sugar Smacks. All the more reason for hurrying. Confounded, that boy knows I like those new Sugar Smacks. And he knows I do, too. And that's a cinch. Well, here I am. Young man, if you spill those new Sugar Smacks, you're fired. Golly, Chief, I hadn't opened up the box yet. But I'm going to now. Well, I guess we all agree on sugar smacks. Right. Folks, don't wait. Get Kellogg's new sugar smacks. They're better than ever. Puffs of wheat, sugar toasted, and candy sweet. You bet. Just get Kellogg's sugar smacks, brand new. A Northwest Mountie, and he's been trailing this desperate character for three years. And I'm tired. Well, it's him or me. Uh-oh. He's got an aching head, an upset stomach, and an empty gun. What you need is some Alka-Seltzer. You know what they always say. Yeah. A Mountie always gets his man. Oh, no. I mean about Alka-Seltzer. Relief is just a swallow away. Well... That relief-giving Alka-Seltzer. For that headache and upset feeling, take Alka-Seltzer. Relief is just a swallow away. Hi, kids. Look at some delicious magic with the extra-good chocolate-flavored syrup, Bosco. Now watch. Take ice cream, spoon on extra-rich, extra-thick, extra-chocolatey Bosco syrup. There's the best chocolate flavor you ever tasted. More Bosco magic. Cake, ice cream, topped with extra thick, extra chocolatey Bosco syrup. Try it. Bosco also makes milk chocolatey delicious. Tell mom to get Bosco chocolate flavored syrup for you. Sing out. I love Bosco. It's rich in chocolatey. Chocolate flavored Bosco is mighty good for me. Mama puts it in my milk for extra energy. Bosco gives me iron and sunshine vitamin D. Oh, I love Bosco. That's the drink for me. I'm a spaceman. The moon and sun and all the stars are great big to I'm a princess. Yes, my lord, it's a party tonight. We'll have to do a pop. All the kids in the neighborhood say to do a pop. The triple good, triple good. And do you know why? Sure. Because one, there's good tasting hard candy outside. And two, there's a delicious center of Tootsie Roll inside. And three, only Tootsie Roll Pops is such fun to eat. That's why they're triple good. 
And don't forget Tootsie Roll Pops come in a party pack, too. Ten pops and assorted flavors. There's a game on the back that's lots of fun to do. All of the kids in the neighborhood say Tootsie Roll Pops are triple good. Triple good. You'll love Tootsie Roll Pops. Hi, I'm Mike Wallace with a sensational shortening discovery for better baking and frying. It's Procter & Gamble's Golden Fluffo, the first all-new shortening in 40 years. It's rich. Its color is golden yellow. And what a pie it makes. Richer looking, better tasting, more appetizing. But let's hear what Mrs. Thelma Styra, Indiana State Fair baking champion, had to say about Fluffo. I love Fluffo. It makes such a golden brown pie. Oh, man, that's some apple pie. Well, Mr. Wallace, that's a prettier pie than I ever baked with plain white shortening. And look how flaky it is. This yellow fluffo is such a short shortening. Makes pie crust so rich. Like cooking champions, get richer looking, better tasting, more appetizing results in everything you bake or fry. Get golden fluffo. Yoo-hoo-hoo. I've got a swift cream sandwich for you. Crisp golden cookies and in between an extra thick. It's my pick. Filling of cream. Dessert time. Tea time. Don't miss Swiss. As the man around here, you can quote me on this. Yoo-hoo-hoo, It's Swiss cream sandwich for you hoo And you hoo a truly different cream sandwich, Swiss cream sandwich, baked by Nabisco. The luscious, creamy fillings in a class by itself. No other like it. And these tempting vanilla cookies are so light, they melt in your mouth. yoo hoo yoo It's Swiss cream sandwich. For you hoo And you hoo Swiss cream sandwich. Say, it's time for my favorite dance team, so let's look. Ah, a box of matches and a pack of old gold cigarettes. That's all you need, my friend. And you're enjoying the smoothest, mildest, tastiest cigarette ever created. A treat instead of a treatment. That's old gold cigarettes. Made by tobacco men, not medicine men. To give you the cigarette that treats you better in every way. Because in every way, it's a better cigarette. Good, huh? Yes, for a treat instead of a treatment. Get a pack or get a carton of old gold cigarettes. Right now, this is Dennis James reminding you to keep smoking old gold cigarettes. Thanks. Attention. To help carry on our important work, I want you to join the secret squadron and wear this official badge and have this secret decoder. Following each week's adventure, I'll send an important secret message and only secret squadron members who have decoders can decode them. Also, later I'll tell you the simple rules for joining the secret squadron, but you must promise to do as I do. Keep yourself healthy and mentally alert and drink Ovaltine every day. It's the official drink of the Secret Squadron. We Secret Squadron members know chocolate-flavored Ovaltine helps give us what we need for rocket power. 
Yes, just as a rocket adds thrust during takeoff, Ovaltine can add the kind of nourishment so important for rocket power. We drink Ovaltine hot for breakfast. Mmm, good, too. And cold for lunch and between meal snacks. And hot again at bedtime to help keep us revved up with rocket power. Believe me, Ovaltine's got what it takes to help you be a leader in your gang. So drink instant Ovaltine every day. The Gemini Space Flights. The trips are long. The training is hard like this spacewalk practice. But the astronauts do some things you do. In space, they drank Tang. They mixed it like this in a zero-G pouch, because with no gravity, it would fly all over. You don't have that problem. You can mix it in a glass. Up there, they have to drink it carefully, this way. You can drink it any way you like. Tang tastes orangey. Tastes great. Has lots of vitamins C and A. Tang, chosen for the Gemini astronauts. Have a blast. Have some Tang. This man just showered with a new kind of soap. New Life Boy Mint Refresher. A soap so loaded with mint, so tangy, so frosty, it drives wives wicked. Every bar of new Life Boy Mint Refresher contains the essence of 125 mint leaves. Soap has never smelled this good before, and neither have you. New Life Boy Mint Refresher drives wives wicked. break, huh? Um, yeah, a whole lot of whole lot was happening, a whole lot I had to mute that I forgot to mute. You know, well, let let me back up. This show comes out of don't get me wrong, this show comes out of a concern for the black community. I'm not doing this to troll. I'm not doing this because, you know, I want to spew some what they would what they would laughingly refer to as right wing talking points. This comes out of concern, and I can say this comes out of concern for the black community because the argument that I'm going to launch as to why blacks need a mass divorce from this party is because I've seen people, women mostly and some men, go through the horrors of uh, domestic violence and abuse. And one thing that I've noticed about all of this is the fact that the Democrat Party does to blacks exactly what abusive people do to their spouses, wives, boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever. Let me let me put it this way. If you knew somebody, a wife, not a wife, if you knew somebody, oh, yeah, somebody's wife, somebody's girlfriend, sister, maybe your sister, mother, cousin, whatever, right, whatever the case may be. But if they're with somebody who routinely punches them, blackens their eye, fattens their lip, 
sends them to the hospital with broken bones, controls everything they do, everything they think, barely um, barely allows them to leave the house. If they control their thoughts and their speech and they gaslight them in almost to the point of mental instability, what would you tell that person? Would you not? Try to convince that person, that 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 mother, that that friend, that cousin, or whoever is going through this. Would you not try to convince them to leave the person they're with? And I'm and again, I'm going to come back to this particular point at the end of the show. It's going to kind of to kind of put a bow tie on this. But would you not? Would you not? Try to convince them to leave them because they're better off without them. They'll stay alive. You know, a lot of these domestic, these more serious domestic violence cases end with the death of the of the person at the hands of the abuser. So you would you would be it would be an epic mistake to not try to convince this person not to leave their abusive partner. It would be an epic mistake. And if they get killed and you never tried to do anything about it, that would live on your conscience. Well, same thing happens with the Demo- between the Democrat Party and the black community. The Democrat Party does the same thing to the black community, routinely abuses them, is violent toward them, gaslights them, it lies to them. It, it, it locked them down and kept them from going, you know, kept them from going anywhere. Now, granted, that happened to everybody with the national COVID mandates, but still the point remains. And even now, you know, if you go into any urban black community with a high crime rate, you know, the residents are fearful to their lives to the point where they don't go out. Let me get a sip of this. And I'll be back. Hmm. On a side note, I got the stuff called flow water. It's it's uh, like it's alkaline water. It's 8.8 pH or something like that. Stuff is delicious. I, it's very addictive. Anyway, back to my point. The Democrat Party does this to black people on the routine, yet nobody is trying to convince the blacks to to leave them. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put forth the argument of how, and I'm going to put example after example and send the show notes. I'm going to bounce around the show notes because I need to put together, like, there's a certain order of things that I need to address. So I'm going to address the things in order the way I, the way I develop them, and hopefully it's going to make a a compelling argument as to why black people need to leave and get a divorce from the Democrat Party before the Democrat Party ends up being their ultimate demise. This, the Democrat Party is already responsible for the black for blacks whittling themselves down to 13 or 12 and a half percent of the population, down from about almost I think 25 almost 30 percent of the population. So from the 50s until now, they've cut themselves in half because of Democrat policies. But I'm going to go and I'm going to revisit that and then. Um, I'm going to explain how this, how all the abuse takes place. All right. Now, to begin this lecture. Now, to begin this lecture, we gotta have, we gotta kind of get into the history of the Democrat Party, absent of anything that they laughingly call the Great Switch. Because honestly, to, if you ask when this Great Switch was, they can't pinpoint a time. They just know that it. They just know that it happened. And the funny part is that if you ask for any kind of proof or evidence that it happened, then um, you won't. They won't be able to produce it. Why? Because it's not a thing that actually happened. The Great Switch is. 
I guess the theory of the Great Switch goes that sometime in the 60s, as the Republicans started sweeping the South, the reason why they started sweeping the South was something called the Southern Strategy, which um, which the Republicans had supposedly um, adopted the racist ideology of the South, which is why they started um, winning the South on the backs of a racist, on the backs of all the racists and white supremacists. But it falls apart in the face of this question. And everybody I, I ask that believes in the Great Switch will not have a proper answer for this question. So I ask them, I say, okay, if this Great Switch were such a thing, right, then why is it that, I said, if the Great Switch were real, why, did, why didn't the Republican Party uphold Jim Crow policy when they started taking the South. And then they start saying, well, it was it was because it was a because the civil rights thing had passed, which that was because of the Republicans. So in essence, Republicans passed the civil rights bill and then switched to being the racist, which doesn't make sense at all. And then they'll say something like, well, because they knew it was a losing up, but they're racist. They don't care, right? They're supposed to be the racist. They're not supposed to care that it was winning or losing. It was all about oppression of black people. So, again, how is it that the Republican Party started adopting these racist policies or um, well, started appealing to these racists after passing the Civil Rights Bill or after actually introducing the Civil Rights Bill and putting it on, putting it in front of the, uh, putting it in front of President Johnson to sign? And then you can't. Um, you can't properly account for the fact that they quashed Jim Crow law when they started sweeping the South. You see where that falls apart? But they, yet they believe in this, and it's a complete myth. Well, going back into the history of the Democrat Party, and I'll come back to that later. So going back to the history of the Democrat Party, you have to look at um, pre-Civil War days, slavery and whatnot, because it's common knowledge, and the fact checkers tried to debunk this, which is absolutely ridiculous. But the common knowledge is that um, the Democrats were the slave masters, and this is absolutely true. The Democrats were the slave masters. Hang on. Let me see if I can get back to my studio here. Oh, where's my studio? Back to the studio. Now, the Democrats have always been the slave masters. This is this is known to be true. The Democrats held the South all the way from when this country was founded until about 1964, 1965, when after the Civil Rights Bill was passed, and then the election cycle after that was when Republicans started taking the South. So the, the, you can blame slavery. Well, you can't blame slavery on because slavery has always been around. But the Democrats were the ones that championed slavery. They're the ones that fought for slavery. They're the ones that held the slaves. Now, were there um, Northerners? I think they're called Whigs. Were there Whigs that held slaves? They're probably, most likely, yes. But the majority of the people who believed in and fight, fought for slavery, the overwhelming majority, 90 plus percent of them, were Democrats in the South. What they used to call the old Dixiecrats. The Dixiecrats were a long, were a long-standing, long-standing group. Enter the KKK. Now, why was the KKK founded? The KKK was founded by the Democrat Party. Now, 
the Democrats facing a facing a long list of slaves that were running away from their plantations. They needed a way to capture them, but they didn't have a formal police force, as it were. So what they did was they founded the Ku Klux Klan as a terrorist arm of their own party. And the Ku Klux Klan's job was to go go out, round up, and either kill or return escaped slaves. That was the Klan. The Klan became terrorists. As their power grew, their acts of terrorism became more boundless to the point where lynchings and killings and things were, and different forms of torture were, were par for the course for the Klan. This is your Democrat Party. Enter the Civil War, where um, into the Civil War, where the Dixiecrats and other Southern Methodists, which is why I don't really subscribe to Methodism, because I saw the tendency of Methodism. I can understand why, if you're if you're a Methodist, back in the prebellum South, you kind of subscribe to slavery because of what, and well, overall what they believe. Um, this is how Methodism is. Like I couldn't, I just can't rock with it. But um, they fought on the side of they fought on the side of South. You know, they were the Confederates. All the Confederates, the Confederate president, all the Confederate cabinets, and everybody in the Confederate government were Democrats. They got squashed by Abraham Lincoln. I'm not going to go into how, but it was a stroke of genius by Lincoln using the train system to squash the South. But um. End of the Civil War, bring in the 13th, 14th, 15th Amendments, of which no Democrats really voted for. It was overwhelmingly, it was passed overwhelmingly by the new party that came in that opposed slavery called the Republicans. As a matter of fact, Abraham Lincoln was the first Republican president to be elected to office. On the on the on the um, platform of, of abolishing slavery, once he won the Civil War with the whole train thing, then um, he did that. He got his Congress to write up and sign off on the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, of which no Democrats supported. Not the 13th, not the 14th, not the 15th. It's almost as if they believe that blacks were not, except for if they wanted more representation in Congress. Then they did count slaves as humans, but didn't want to treat slaves as humans. So what the Republicans did was they said, no, we're not going to let you get away with counting slaves as humans in order to try to get more seats in our Congress. Now, I understand there's this big fight, and we just had, so what we're going to do is we say no, you say yes, we're at a standstill. So what we're going to do is we're going to compromise and just say, you know what, every for every hundred people or every hundred slaves that you have in your territories, we will give you 60 seats. And that was, that was the essence of the three-fifths compromise. Now you hear a lot of liberals say that the three-fifths compromise came because Republicans only saw blacks as three-fifths of a person, which makes absolutely zero sense whatsoever. Like I can't even fathom where that would begin making sense, but that wasn't it. The three-fifths compromise was because the South had tried to pull off this whole thing of they're not they're not equal to us, but they'll only be equal to us so that we can get more seats in Congress. And Republicans said no, but what we will do is we for every hundred we'll count eighty, 
for every 20, we'll count 12, the whole thing. So three-fifths of the slave population, and then we'll apportion that as, as we'll apportion that many seats to you guys in Congress. And that it, it's in the Constitution. Just read it. Just read the language of the Constitution. It's there. So I don't know where they come up with this whole Republican seat, black for three-fifths. It, it doesn't make sense. I can't think of a world that, where that makes sense. But back to my lecture. So, again, I have this article on my show notes right now. And let's see, history of the Democrats. Um Democrats in the city, creating fairly great about black people, history of the history of racism in the South. Politics sphere, right? And when I saw this, I was like, hey, look at this, everything I was talking about. History the Democratic Party's history and racism. It's in my show notes. Go look at it. And halfway down, they talk about the Southern dominated state um state legislatures being linked to Jim Crow laws. They talk about how um they talk about governing – here's the second paragraph. Governing authorities were entirely behind their laws, also, also noted. Those who attempted to defy Jim Crow laws were often faced arrest, fines, jail sentence, violence, and death. That was the whole that's, – that's coming in the um, post-Reconstruction era where, we, where we're going to get into Jim Crow because there's something nefarious going on with Jim Crow, and I'm going to touch that in a minute. But suffice it to say that after they – after they turned their backs on the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, the Democrats in the South, what you call the Dixiecrats, enacted Jim Crow policy. So I'm going to ask, that this is a point where I'm going to ask black people that may be listening, black liberals that may be listening out of curiosity for what I may have to say. I'm going to ask you this. I'm going to keep asking you this throughout the, uh, throughout the course of the show. What is the appeal in keeping these people in office, voting these people in and keeping them in? What is the appeal here? Because, again, the history of the Democrat Party, when we talk about slavery, because you guys always talk about the ongoing legacy of slavery and how it tarnishes, how it tarnishes the black community and keeps black people from even getting anywhere. Well, that's because of the Democrats, and I'm going to have some more examples in a minute. Yeah, we talk about how the Democrats actually fractured the country over their desire to keep you guys as slaves. Now we talk about how the Democrats turned their backs on the 13th, 14th, and 15th amendments that gave all black people equal equal rights as American citizens. And now we're talking about um, in the post-Reconstruction era how Democrats enacted Jim Crow laws and how um, Plessy versus Ferguson upheld Jim Crow laws and what's supposed to have been separate but equal, but we know it wasn't. So I ask you, what is the appeal here in voting for these people, knowing what they've done to you historically? I don't get this. Move on. Roll that question around as you listen to this, because I don't see the appeal. Maybe you voted for them because your family voted for them or whatever, and you don't really understand the history of the Democrat Party. You just know that your mother and your grandmother before her and probably your great grand all voted Democrat. Well, may have voted Democrat or great because blacks were more conservative back in the back in the days, right? They, they really only became more liberal since the 1970s, 
per se. But um, I'll I'll talk about that too when I talk about LBJ and welfare, if I even get to that. But again, I need to ask you guys, given the history of the Democrat Party from the nation's founding all the way until post-Reconstruction to Jim Crow, what is the appeal? It's like it's 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 kind of like your friend. Your 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 good lady your good lady friend, she finds this boyfriend and this boyfriend has a criminal record a mile long of assault and battery and abuse and all this stuff and you're looking at the history and you're like, girl, what do you see in him? Like, look at his history. Look at what he's done in the past. And she's like, she's like, well, he's a good person now. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to address that. He's a good person. That whole he's a good person now thing because um, it's coming. Now, going into the 1930s, um, the, the the Great Depression holds. Franklin Delano Roosevelt's elected, and I have another great article here, um, and it's about hello Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Franklin Delano Roosevelt's New Deal was not meant to benefit black people. It was, it just wasn't. How do I know? Because the defining piece of the New Deal is something called redlining. And what is redlining? Redlining is exactly why today, now remember when I said, girl, what's your history? What is it that you see in this guy? Because, what do you see in this guy? Because look at his history. Look at, he's, Look at his criminal record. Look at the things that he's done in his life. And your girlfriend says, well, he's a good person now. And if that's the argument in the appeal to the Democrat Party, well, is, well they may have done stuff, bad stuff in the past, but look at now. They're good people now. Well, let's look at the past when FDR instituted redlining, and that being the exact reason why blacks are relegated, mostly relegated to the ghettos now is because of the history of redlining. FDR did that, the great Democrat, the great socialist. He was supposed to have been this holy savior of American society, but him, he, just like Woodrow Wilson before him, not directly before him, but quite a few years before him, was a great racist. And the great racist told his um, his housing authority and his banking administration. I think I think he has Federal Reserve then, but he told them not to give loans to any people that lived in certain in, within certain boundaries. And so what the banks did, they drew these boundaries with red pens, saying anybody that comes from this boundaries within this boundaries will not get loans. Anybody from outside the boundaries is good to go. This is what, this is what redlining is. This is, where, this is where the term came from. And because of that, blacks now are, have been relegated to ghettos. So these same crime-ridden communities, these same housing projects that blacks are trying to escape from, but really can't because of welfare policy, but they're trying to, they're trying to escape from these crime-ridden neighborhoods They've been doomed there since the 1930s by the great racist Democrat named Franklin Delano Roosevelt. You know, believe me, it's right there in the show notes. Go take a look at it. 
speaking of which, um, Forgotten History. See, this one even came from NPR. A Forgotten History of How the U.S. Government Segregated America. And it goes, in 1933, faced with a housing shortage, the federal government began a program explicitly designed to increase and segregate America's housing stock. Author Richard Rothstein says the housing programs began under the New Deal, where where tantamount to a state-sponsored system of segregation. Absolutely it was. The government's efforts were primarily designed to provide housing to white middle-class, lower-class, middle-class, lower-class families. African Americans and other people of color were left out of the new suburban communities and pushed instead into urban and pushed instead into urban housing projects to where they still remain this day. So they're talking about Rothstein's book, The Color of Law, which actually goes into the history of redlining. So this is it. The federal housing later on in the uh, in the article, the Federal Housing Administration's justification was that if African-Americans bought homes in these suburbs, or even if they bought homes near these suburbs, the property values of the homes they were insuring, the white homes that they were insuring, would decline, and therefore their loans would be at risk. There was no basis for this claim on the part of the Federal Housing Administration. In fact, when African-Americans tried to buy homes in all-white neighborhoods, or in mostly white neighborhoods, property values rose because African-Americans were more willing to pay more for the properties than whites were, which, again, they're making blacks pay more. Even if the blacks bought the houses, they're making them pay more than white people did. That was the policy of the great racist, the great racist Democrat named Franklin Delano Roosevelt. What else do you need to hear? This is the reason why, this is the entire reason why it's silly that the Democrat Party is asking Republicans to foot the bill for housing discrim- historical housing discrimination in the form of reparations when it was the great Democrat, the great racist named Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who allowed, who implemented that and allowed it to happen. It wasn't the Republicans, it was Franklin Delano Roosevelt. But let's go on. Because it goes from that into, again, Jim Crow. Now, Jim Crow was, and this is at the end of um, the end of FDR. Well, Jim Crow has always has been around since like the the, the end of uh, the end of Reconstruction, about the turn of the century, till about 1964. And my computer's wigging out, so let me try to um, let me try to see if I can straighten it up. There we go. Now, from ni- to about 1964, it was the Jim Crow laws took the South. Here's the problem that I'm having with this. It's the fact that the Democrat response, the current Democrat response to Jim Crow is something, is something that I feel kind of odd. It's kind of odd. Because they talk about Jim Crow, but they only talk about Jim Crow in the abstract as far as the segregation and things like that. But when you ask specifics about Jim Crow, i.e., was Jim Crow a real person, right? Well, then the answer gets kind of weird. And the answer gets, the weird answer that they give is, well, Jim Crow wasn't really a person. Jim Crow was, Jim Crow was this idea, it was this, this set of laws, and it was this policy 
But whether it was a real person or not, egg, I don't know, right? And even if you look at the website Britannica, and Britannica, when you look at Britannica, here it is. They ask a question, what is the origin of the term Jim Crow? This is in my show notes, and it's under the, um, the covering up of Jim Crow. That's the link. You click that link, and it brings up Britannica, and it says, what is the origin of the term Jim Crow? And the article says, from the late 1870s until the triumphs of the civil rights movement in the 1950s and 60s, regimental, regi- reg- regimental racial segregation, that's what I'm trying to say, uh, blighted America's water, water fountains, restrooms, restaurants, lodging, and transportation, along with separate but equal schools. All of these were legally sanctioned by the U.S. Supreme Court Plessy versus Ferguson decision in 1896 and codified by so-called Jim Crow laws. It's not clear how Jim Crow, the character that popularized blackface minstrelsy in the 19th century, became associated with these laws. But the end, well, but sorry, but the abuse of the symbol six, says everything about the nature and intention of these laws. Basically, what they're saying is they're not sure where this term comes from, but it's some. It may have something to do with minstrelsy and blackface. They don't really know. They don't really know, but one thing they know is that it's not really a person. It's kind of this idea, right? That's what Britannica's saying, and this is what you heard being echoed by liberals and other Democrats. Well, check this out. I found another link. This link is by um, it's by what is this? Charlotte's Black History Anika.net. But anyway, there's an article, and I link to it in my show notes. I can't see it because my eyes are kind of funky right now. But um, it's a link uh, put in my show notes. Article on Major James R. Crow, founding member of the Ku Klux Klan. Major James R. Crow, Crow sorry, Major James R. Crow was a Democrat, and he was the one that founded the Ku Klux Klan. So when you see the fact checkers say that the Ku Klux Klan wasn't founded by the Democrat Party, they were founded by individual racists, um, how about no? It was founded by um, military higher-ups in the Confederate Army that were ruled by the Democrats. This is why those things by um, those fact checks by uh, who the lead stories and all those other people, it's asinine because how can they say that the Democrat Party didn't start Jim, didn't start the Ku Klux Klan when the Democrat Party started the Ku Klux Klan? Major James R. Crow was a founding member, and the policies, the racist policies of separate but equal, were named for him. James R. Crow, his name was Jim Crow. What else do you need to hear? Again, what is the appeal in voting for these people if you know they're lying to you and they're gaslighting you at every turn? They're gaslighting you about the history. They're gaslighting you about slavery. They're gaslighting you about um, the Klan. They're gaslighting you about, um, about Jim Crow policy. Now I'm going to take a break, but when I come back, I'm going to bring this to present day and how they're gaslighting you about um, how they gaslighting you about education and then they're also, they've also abused you, violently abused you, in the um, in the form of the 2020 George Floyd riots. So, 
I'm going to do that. I'm going to take a commercial break, and when I come back, we'll talk about that um, as soon as I find this. <laughs> that's what I think. You're listening to ABC on Sound on BTR. On SoundCloud BTR. Hey, let's take a minute and meet Clark Kent, our Superman. Chief, believe me, you're in for a treat just as soon as Jimmy gets back here. Great Caesar's ghost. What's holding him up? You know I can't work without a good breakfast. Chief. Jimmy's bringing a box of Kellogg's sugar smacks. All the more reason for hurrying. Confound it, that boy knows I like those new sugar smacks. And he knows I do, too. And that's a cinch. Well, here I am. Young man, if you spill those new sugar smacks, you're fired. Golly, Chief, I hadn't opened up the box yet. But I'm going to now. Well, I guess we all agree on sugar smacks. Right. Folks, don't wait. Get Kellogg's new sugar smacks. They're better than ever. Puffs of wheat, sugar toasted, and candy sweet. You bet. Just get Kellogg's sugar smacks, brand new. A Northwest Mountie, and he's been trailing this desperate character for three years. And I'm tired. Well, it's him or me. He's got an aching head, an upset stomach, and an empty gun. What you need is some Alka-Seltzer. You know what they always say. Yeah, a Mountie always gets his man. Oh, no. I mean about Alka-Seltzer. Relief is just a swallow away. Well. Down, 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 the stomach through. Round, 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 the system too. With Alka-Seltzer, they always say. Relief is just... Bless that relief-giving Alka-Seltzer. For that headache and upset feeling, take Alka-Seltzer. Relief is just a swallow away. Hi, kids. Look at some delicious magic with the extra-good chocolate-flavored syrup, Bosco. Now watch. Take ice cream, spoon on extra-rich, extra-thick, extra-chocolatey, Bosco syrup. There's the best chocolate flavor you ever tasted. More Bosco magic. Cake, ice cream, topped with extra thick, extra chocolatey Bosco syrup. Try it. Bosco also makes milk chocolatey delicious. Tell mom to get Bosco chocolate flavored syrup for you. Sing out. I love Bosco. It's rich in chocolate tea. Chocolate flavored Bosco is mighty good for me. Mama puts it in my milk for extra energy. Bosco gives me iron and sunshine vitamin D. Oh, I love Bosco. That's the drink for me. I'm a spaceman. The moon and sun and all the stars are great big to throw pops. I'm a princess. Yes, my lord, it's a party tonight. We'll have to do a pop. All the kids in the neighborhood say to do a pop. The triple good, triple good. And do you know why? Sure. Because one, there's good tasting hard candy outside, and two. There's a delicious center of Tootsie Roll inside. And three, only Tootsie Roll Pops are such fun to eat. That's why they're triple good. 
And don't forget Tootsie Roll Pops come in a party pack, too. Ten pops and assorted flavors. There's a game on the back that's lots of fun to do. All the kids in the neighborhood say Tootsie Roll Pops are triple good. Triple good. You'll love Tootsie Roll Pops. Hi, I'm Mike Wallace with a sensational shortening discovery for better baking and frying. It's Procter & Gamble's Golden Fluffle, the first all-new shortening in 40 years. It's rich. Its color is golden yellow. And what a pie it makes. Richer looking, better tasting, more appetizing. But let's hear what Mrs. Thelma Styra, Indiana State Fair baking champion, had to say about Fluffle. I love Fluffo. It makes such a golden brown pie. Oh, man, that's some apple pie. Well, Mr. Wallace, that's a prettier pie than I ever baked with plain white shortening. And look how flaky it is. This yellow Fluffo is such a short shortening. Makes pie crust so rich. Like cooking champions, get richer looking, better tasting, more appetizing results in everything you bake or fry. Get golden Fluffo. Yoo-hoo-hoo, I've got a Swiss cream sandwich for you. Crisp golden cookies and in between an extra thick. It's my pick. Filling of cream. Dessert time. Tea time. Don't miss Swiss. As the man around here, you can quote me on this. Yoo-hoo-hoo. Yoo-hoo. It's Swiss cream sandwich for you, and you, a truly different cream sandwich. Swiss cream sandwich baked by Nabisco. The luscious, creamy fillings in a class by itself. No other like it. And these tempting vanilla cookies are so light they melt in your mouth. You, it's Swiss cream sandwich for you, and you, Swiss cream sandwich. Hey, it's time for my favorite dance team, so let's look. Ah, a box of matches and a pack of old gold cigarettes. That's all you need, my friend. And you're enjoying the smoothest, mildest, tastiest cigarette ever created. A treat instead of a treatment. That's old gold cigarettes. Made by tobacco men, not medicine men. To give you the cigarette that treats you better in every way. Because in every way, it's a better cigarette. Good, huh? Yes, for a treat instead of a treatment. Get a pack or get a carton of old gold cigarettes. Right now, this is Dennis James reminding you to keep smoking old gold cigarettes. Thanks. Attention. To help carry on our important work, I want you to join the secret squadron and wear this official badge and have this secret decoder. Following each week's adventure, I'll send an important secret message and only secret squadron members who have decoders can decode them. Also, later I'll tell you the simple rules for joining the secret squadron, but you must promise to do as I do. Keep yourself healthy and mentally alert and drink Ovaltine every day. It's the official drink of the Secret Squadron. We Secret Squadron members know chocolate-flavored Ovaltine helps give us what we need for rocket power. Yes.
yes, just as a rocket adds thrust during takeoff, Ovaltine can add the kind of nourishment so important for rocket power. We drink Ovaltine hot for breakfast. Mmm, good too. And cold for lunch and between meal snacks. And hot again at bedtime to help keep us revved up with rocket power. Believe me, Ovaltine's got what it takes to help you be a leader in your gang. So drink instant Ovaltine every day. The Gemini Space Flights. The trips are long. The training is hard like this spacewalk practice. But the astronauts do some things you do. In space, they drank Tang. They mixed it like this in a zero-G pouch, because with no gravity, it would fly all over. You don't have that problem. You can mix it in a glass. Up there, they have to drink it carefully, this way. You can drink it any way you like. Tang tastes orangey. Tastes great. Has lots of vitamins C and A. Tang, chosen for the Gemini astronauts. Have a blast. Have some Tang. This man just showered with a new kind of soap. New Life Boy Mint Refresher. A soap so loaded with mint, so tangy, so frosty, it drives wives wicked. Every bar of new Life Boy Mint Refresher contains the essence of 125 mint leaves. Soap has never smelled this good before, and neither have you. New Life Boy Mint Refresher drives wives wicked. Equality. 
So they're starting to be driven underground. LBJ had subscribed wholeheartedly to the ideology of the Dixiecrats. He didn't want blacks to have anything. The problem was the Republicans had his nuts over a fire. That's how they got him to sign the Civil Rights Bill, because when the Republicans drafted it up and presented it to him, he didn't want to sign it. And he said, and they say, look, if you don't sign this bill, look, the, the dynamics of the country are shifting. If you don't sign this bill, the Democrats will never win another election. He took this to heart. He came back and said, look, we're going to make some concessions before I sign this. Okay, I'll sign it, but there's some things that have to go into this bill. And what he did is he watered it down from what it was to the, to the bill that eventually passed. He watered it down. He signed it. Good. He then instituted this whole spending on welfare thing. And the part of the conditions that he threw in it for people to get welfare is that you have to have the family has to be broken. So if family's broken, you get this free government money. Well, what happens? Black people everywhere broke their families to get this free government money. Black men disappeared out of the lives of the black family. When black men disappeared from the black family, the black family got gotten out of control for this free government money and the free government program. And the FHA said, okay, now that you're receiving welfare and your family's broken, we'll put you into these housing projects that the great racist FDR had set up for you guys. We'll, we'll put you in here and all this, and you can live here and get government assistance and money and food stamps and welfare and all, kind, all this kind of things. And blacks accepted it en masse in the condition that they do not have any kind of breadwinner, massive breadwinner in the house. And that's how generations of black women having these kids, generations of them come up in housing projects and on welfare. And when he did this, when LBJ did this, he knew he was buying the black vote because he said that he'd have niggas voting for Democrat for the next 200 years. And doggone it, niggas have been voting Democrat ever since that happened. The proof is in the pudding. So again, he this is what he thought about you. He said that He said that niggas were getting kind of uppity, and we have to give them something. Not enough to make a difference, but enough to shut them up. That's what he said. It was paraphrased. It was not word for word, not verbatim, but that was another one of the things that he said about you. So my question to you, again, what is the appeal in voting for these people, knowing what LBJ said about you and how he destroyed your family? Like Margaret Sanger was a huge Democrat donor. She she set up Planned Parenthood. I did a video years ago on YouTube, and this video proved unequivocally, without a doubt, that four out of five um, birth control centers or abortion centers were set up in black neighborhoods. Black people blasted and derided um, Herman Cain for saying that, and I proved him right. Margaret Singer, who set up Planned Parenthood, was a huge Democrat donor. And there's a reason why, as part of the reason why blacks have whittled themselves down to 12.5% of the population was because of a massive abortion policy. And then, bringing it to the present, just to go back, but bringing it to the present, this is why I'm baffled at why blacks would scourge Clarence Thomas for voting to upend 
not uphold, but uh, upend Roe v. Wade and uproot it because of what it did to the black community. You, you should be celebrating the end of Roe v. Wade as a national policy and then start moving to these states that have stricter abortion policies so that you can bring your population numbers back up to where they need to be. Yet and still we have black liberals led by this black pastor, and I'll get into the black pastor in another show, but you're led by the charlatan called a black pastor, and you guys are championing things that that are literally destroying your population and your community. Anyway, um, let's get into more present day, because the Democrats now, what they're doing is they're ruining your education and they're gaslighting you behind. This is, what, this is what I'm saying. They keep abusing you. They keep kicking you in the nuts every time and then asking you and then not asking you, demanding you vote for them. I'll get into that in a little bit. But they demand you vote for them after they kick you in the nuts. So what I did was I went and pulled a couple of examples of the Democrats, excuse me, kicking you in the nuts. Now, the unemployment rate. Let's talk about the unemployment rate in 2020. What happened in 20? There are two significant things that happened in 2020. One was a COVID pandemic. The other was the George Floyd riots. Now, the black unemployment rate jumped in May of 2020 to, what was it, 16.8% in May of 2020. Now, the liberal talking point is that this is because of COVID. A lot of people had a high unemployment rate during COVID, and this is true. Everybody had a high employment rate, none so high as the blacks. But I don't get how how COVID was being blamed for unemployment and not being able to work when there were protests and demonstrations, mass demonstrations going on outside that were burning down your cities and your businesses. See how does how does that comport? Not only that. When before May, and I think it was in like March, when Donald Trump, see, everybody blames Donald Trump. Donald Trump, oh, the pandemic and Donald Trump. Donald Trump shut things down. Donald Trump was advised to take, a, for the economy to take a two-week hiatus to get, this is where um, two weeks of flattening the curve comes from, two-week hiatus to get everybody through the initial wave of the pandemic. And then as people start building up immunity to this virus, which is how it was supposed to have gone scientifically, but we know the history of lives in science. Um, but after two weeks, the economy wanted the economy was supposed to open back up slowly, and people were supposed to slowly get back to work. But they blamed Trump for the high employment rate throughout 2020, and they blamed Trump for everything that happened throughout 2020. And it's not Trump's fault. How do I know it's not Trump's fault? Well, let's go to Yahoo News. No bastion of conservative thought. We know this, but Yahoo Finance. Yahoo Finance in March on March 24th of 2020, right after Trump said, okay, we need to start opening this economy and putting people back to work, Yahoo Finance and other leftist outlets, but I'm, I pulled Yahoo Finance specifically, it says why Trump's call to restart the economy in April is being derided as totally nuts. So you have all of these Democrat people saying that Trump is nuts for wanting to put you back to work. They kick you in the nuts. And then they say, well, it's Trump's fault. No, it's not. Trump wanted you to go back to work, but they want you to hate Trump. Why? Trump wanted you to go back to work. He would have brought your unemployment rate down sooner. Yet the Democrats, the same Democrats who were caught in hair salons, at the beach, 
in restaurants, in fancy restaurants, in going to their own family's homes where they told you not to, those same Democrats are kicking you in the nuts, telling you that you cannot go back to work. Again, I'm asking you, what is the appeal in voting for these people and keeping them in office? What is it? Now, let's focus on, let's turn our attention to education. Because the education piece, I think, is, especially nowadays, now I noticed, I first noticed education was getting a little silly on the Democrat side because I used to live in California. I used to live in California. I live in Washington. So I've seen the demise of the education system in this whole area of Cascadia. But the education piece is something that needs to be talked talked about more. Why? Because everybody knows, everybody knows, I don't care who you ask, everybody knows that the education system in black America is failing, failing. Yet and still, and I put this in my show notes, yet and still, the Democrats are opposing school choice. They don't want you to pull your, to be able to pull your kids out of these failing institutions and actually use the money that is allotted to you to go to these failing institutions to go to other places that might better educate your kids. They don't want you, they don't want for you to be able to do that. They want to keep your kids in these failing education and I'll get to I'll get to how badly they're failing when I talk about Misha Maynard. But suffice it to say, and it's in my show notes today, go and look at it. The education system is failing your killed children. The Democrat Party in general is failing your children. Let's 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 back up for a second. Let's back off the education piece for a little bit and let's let's put a pin on that. The Democrat Party, first of all, they hate the movie. They hate this new movie, um, The Sound of Freedom. They hate it. And they hate that the Democrat Party is being exposed on the big screen, on the Hollywood big screen now, as being the um, purveyors of child sexual, um, child sexual exploitation and trafficking. They hate this. They hate being exposed like that. So they're trying every way possible to shut down the movie to include massive boycotts with AMC theaters and other outlets, along with um, along with deriding them on places like CNN and MSNBC, saying that it smacks of QAnon theory, which I don't understand where the connection is between this movie and QAnon, because QAnon. And if you read some of QAnon's posts, as crazy as some of them may be, they were right when they were talking about people in the Democrat Party and child trafficking, child sex trafficking, when you have things like Jeffrey Epstein, Harvey Weinstein, Anthony Weiner. I can go, the list goes literally on and on. Bill Clinton being on the Lolita Express and all, Bill Clinton, Bill Gates, and all these other um all these other Democrat bigwigs, that's just bigwigs, being on Jeffrey Epstein saying, taking trips to his island. Yet, and still, when this movie comes out about child sex trafficking and exploitation, labor exploitation, the Democrats have a problem with it because they say it's QAnon conspiracy theory. Tell me how that comports. But not only that, in Washington, and Washington passed a law, and I believe it's going to spread like cancer throughout the country. It's called Senate Bill 5599. I need to talk about this. I put it in my show notes. I think it's the first thing. And it says, if you love your kids, get them away from the Democrats. Why? Because 
Washington, the Democrats in Washington passed Senate Bill 5599. What does that do? That allows the state to legally kidnap your kids. Let me explain how this works. So you have a kid. The kid is, I don't know, somewhere between 5 and uh, 17, right? You have, you have a child between the ages of 5 and 17. That child comes to you and that child, let's say it's a little boy, right? It's a little boy. That, but your son comes to you and says, mom or dad or mom and dad, I'm a girl. I want to be a girl. Now, you tell your son, no, you, I'm pretty sure you're a boy. You, you have two X chromosomes. You came out with a penis, and you don't have a vagina or, or uh, um, a uterus or breast. I'm pretty sure you're a boy. If the kid goes to school and says, my parents say that I'm a boy and I feel like I'm a girl, that school will, will, lodge, a, will lodge a case with the state. The state will then come take that kid out of school, place that kid in a home, and not tell the parents where that, where that child is, purposes of getting that child medical transitioning surgery. Does that make sense? Does that does that is that any way comport with a parent's rights to raise their kids? No, it doesn't. That's the state usurping the parents' rights to do to raise their kids out of a seat fit. Now, if you as a parent know that your son is a son and shouldn't be medically transitioned at such a young age because of the danger it poses to the human body, both in the immediate and later on down the line when we talk about reproductive uh, reproductive ability later on in life, if you don't want to see that happen to your kid, well, guess what? That's too bad. The state passed a law that said this can happen, and the home that they place the kid in can totally allow the kid, can totally give consent for this kid to have medical surgery. And you don't even know where the kid is. Now, the Senate Bill 5599 may say that, oh, well, there's a provision that the state has to tell the parents where they are. Yeah, technically that's true, but there's a caveat in the bill, and I'm going to read this caveat right now. Um the caveat goes like this. Host homes do not need parent or legal guardian authorization if there's a compelling reason not to contact the parent or guardian. Compelling reason means that the youth is in the host youth is in the host home or seeking placement in the host home while seeking or receiving protective health care services. Which the state already said, if your child feels like they are not the gender that they were born if you disagree to giving them this, these healthcare services, then they can be placed in a home that will. If you love your kids, get them away from the, again, what is the appeal in voting for these people? They hate your kids. They hate the constitution. They hate your community. Let me get into that with the education thing. Because now, and let me pull it up, the, the best way I can explain this is on my Facebook, right? It's on my Facebook. I put it on my wall. Let me pull this up right here. If I can get this. My, my internet's closed today. So, that's my cat. Okay, here, no, this is, here it is. Pardon me for, pardon me for the quiet. Okay, check this out. I pulled this from the Daily Mail, okay? And it says, Daily Mail has like the longest headlines ever. So pardon me while I get through this. 
But parents slammed Woke Massachusetts School District for axing advanced math classes to boost equity, quote-unquote equity, after they attracted too many whites and Asian students, with families now forced to hire private tutors instead. Here are the bullet points. Parents in Cambridge are speaking out after algebra was cut from middle school. Bullet point two, decision was made years ago due to racial disparities in advanced placement. Bullet three, but parents say it boosts inequality by further forcing the use of private tutors. They cut algebra from middle school. Do you understand what it is I'm telling you? Your kid, your child, your black child who's going to this black school will now not have algebra in middle school, which remember algebra used to be a requirement to get through middle school. It was when I was in middle school and I got through algebra just fine. But they have now cut algebra from middle school in the name of quote unquote equity. And now they do this and I put this on and I put this as a status on my Facebook. If you put me on Facebook, you've seen this. And I said, Wow, do you see this? This is the most epic case of gaslighting I've ever seen in 49 years of existence. The Democrats literally kneecap the education system. Then when blacks fail academically, because that's what's going to happen if you don't have algebra, if you take algebra out of middle school, they're going to fail academically. So I said, the Democrats tell you, then when blacks fail academically, Democrats tell them that they, can, they can't get into college without affirmative action. You see how that you see how the the reaction to affirmative action I did that in the last show. The reaction to affirmative action Yeah, I did that in the last show. The reaction to affirmative action directly links with the with with what the Democrats are doing to the education system. They're kneecapping the education system and then when affirmative action is upheld because it disproportionately affects not only Asian students, but Asians, Jews, whites Ethnic Nigerians, um, ethnic uh, Asian Indians. I'm talking from India, Punjab, and uh, what's it called now? All this, Calcutta, Punjab, and all those, all those guys. Disproportionately affects all of those. A certain sector of Muslims disproportionately affects those. They only, they only say, oh, it's, it affects blacks. But, and again, go back to my show last. Go back to my last show about um, NCAA and slavery, and I explain to you why the reaction is the way it is and why the Democrats needed affirm and all of these um, educational institutions needed affirmative action. It was all because of the NCAA. But let me come back to this. So the Democrats are literally kneecapping, according to this, by the Daily Mail. They've taken algebra now out of middle school, which is which should be an actual requirement to graduate middle school. They've taken it out now. And now when blacks fail academically, now, they're really put in the situation because they can't use affirmative action to get into college. So now it's a merit-based system, but now that the schools aren't teaching them the things they need to succeed, they can't get into college, which, again, I shall be so fortunate as to find this. And uh, that's a great reason. That's a, um, failed urban black Americans, yes. I'm looking through my links right now, and... I had a link, and I can't remember what I did with it, but I had a link about the black the black colleges. The black colleges are bracing for an influx of black applicants, and because of it, and you can search this, because of this, 
the black colleges are now looking to clamp down on the requirements for entry to include meritocracy. So now, now, now these blacks were completely dis- were disproportionately affected by the end of affirmative action, like let's just say, when they try to go to the black universities, the HBCUs, the black, black universities are like, we're getting too many applicants. We need to screen these better. And the way they're screening them now is not by race, but by meritocracy. The Democrats have kicked you in the nuts, have kicked your kids in the nuts, and now your kids can't even go to college. They can't even, unless they're, and even the athletes, like I explained in my last show, the athletic blacks now are really, they're really screwed now because the affirmative action that the NCAA used to offer so many scholarships is gone. Now the NCAA has to drastically cut back the number of scholarships offered. And the scholarships they have to offer now cannot be based solely on athletic prowess because, remember, when the primitive action was implemented, they used to use um, athletic prowess as a reason to, for these colleges to accept because, again, the grades don't matter because they're black or whatever. They just get them into affirmative action. Well, guess what? Affirmative action is gone. Now they can't say, well, just he's black, so we can let him in because he's, he's a superior athlete. Even if he's a superior athlete, now his grades have to reflect, um, his grades have to reflect his ability to, um, to succeed in the school that's offering it to him. So with black grade point averages the way they are, and the education system failing the way it is, and with the SAT scores failing the way they are, go back to my last show if I proved it to you, then you're going to have a dearth of black athletes, and it's going to be hugely affected. Again, Democrats are kicking you in the nuts. Now, you're going to say, again, like they said in the last show, hey, you say you're trying to champion you're saying you're trying to champion black rights, black abilities, and you're sitting here denigrating blacks, talking about their lack of SAT scores and um, and their their low GPA. And on the surface, yes, that's true. I did that. However, the difference here is that I and other conservatives, the reason why we cheered the, the end of affirmative action is because conservatives honestly believe that blacks can turn it around. Blacks can succeed in school. There are hundreds of thousands of blacks that succeeded in schools, got good grades, despite um, despite where they come up or where they went to school. They've actually made successes of themselves. So it can happen. Now, will it happen? Depends on, again, the parenting situation and how both how bad both the parent and the child want to want success to happen. But it can happen. The liberals would say, and I'm about to play, I'm about to solidify this, but the liberals say no matter what blacks do, they're not going to succeed. And this is why they need affirmative action. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to show you again, and I'm going to ask you, what is the appeal to voting for these people? I'm going, to, I'm going to show you what they think of you and your ability to vote and your ability to succeed in school. I'm going to start with what they think about your ability to vote. And <laughs> let's just say, because this one came from Ami Horowitz, and everybody's played this. Uh, Dan Bongino actually played this on his show, I think, last week. He played the 
second half, the black reaction. What I'm going to do is play the first half. And I want to show you what they think of you. And then I want you to ask you, I want you to ask yourself, what is the appeal in voting for these people? So this is voter ID. Go. Do you have an opinion on voter ID laws? Uh, yeah, they're usually pretty racist and <laughs> they're bad. I think voter ID laws are a way to perpetuate racism. Would you say they're, would you go as far as to say they're, they're, those laws are racist? For sure. Do you think it suppresses the uh, African American vote? Definitely. Uh, because they're less likely to have state IDs. Minority voters are less likely to have the kinds of IDs that have been um, described or required. These type of people don't live in areas with easy access to DMVs or other places where they can get identification. You can always get IDs um, over the internet. Does that also would, uh, make it difficult for, for black people in particular? Yeah, you have to have access to the internet. You have to be able to pay an internet service provider for certain fees. Do you think that's harder for black people to go online? Well, IDs? I feel like they don't have the knowledge of how, of like, how it works. Like, a lot of people have smartphones, but you might not have data. For most of the communities, they don't really know what is out there just because they're not aware or like right. they're not informed. I also think there's a repression of like black voting with um, how they, how if you're a convicted felon, like you're not allowed to vote and everything. And when you look at swing states like Florida, that's a huge population of the of the like African Americans. There you go. What else do you need to hear? They don't think you walk around carrying ID. They don't think you can get ID. They don't think you know where the DMV is. They don't think you know how to use the internet. They don't think you have data with your phones. Again, I ask you, what is it? You listen, listen to them. Listen to how they think about you. What is the appeal in voting for these people? What is the appeal in supporting these people? What is the appeal in keeping these people in office? Now you may say, oh, that's, that's the Army Horowitz thing. It's old news, Fox News. Um, it's a conservative. It's, 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 you're just playing a conservative talking point and this and that. Okay, granted, it did make its rounds. It did make its rounds on the conservative circles over the years. But let me bring something that happened a couple of weeks ago. And this isn't Fox News. This is NBC News. This is from the liberal side of the fence, all right? NBC News decided to do a man on the street and this with the same results. This is the next cut. Go. The U.S. Supreme Court barred universities from using race as a factor in admission, effectively ending affirmative action. We're at Washington Square Park. Here's what people think. What do you think about today's Supreme Court decision? I think it's really upsetting to see as we uh, move forward in time, um, rights are taken away um, from people of color, and it seems like we're moving back in history. I think that it's going to really impact people of color, there has been progress made, but not enough to the point where people can get like health care and you know have the rights that they deserve. So I feel like the Supreme Court is doing absolutely nothing to kind of like comfort that and kind of ease that in a way that would be able to help everybody, especially in New York City. I'm torn between understanding inequality but also believing in meritocracy. What else do you need to hear? What else do you need to hear? This was a couple of weeks ago. This is the Ami Horowitz. This is NBC News. And listen how they think about you. They don't think you can get health care. They don't think you can get into college without affirmative action. Like, even the last guy said, well, I'm torn between um, believing in meritocracy and seeing inequality. They don't think you can, they don't think you can make it in the face of inequality. 
This is what they think of you. What is the what is the appeal? What is the appeal in keeping these people in in office? What is the appeal in voting for these people time after time after time to the tune of 85, 90, 95%? What is the appeal? I'm asking. I'm asking you to ask yourself at this point of the show, what is the appeal in supporting these people the way you do? And if it's because that you go to some church with a black pastor that spews this, well, then you need to leave that church and force the black pastor. I mean, you understand that if you're following a clergyman who's supposed to believe in God and preach Jesus, and he's supporting and he's telling you to support everything that is antithetical to anything that is in the book of Luke, much less Mark, Matthew, Mark, and John, especially Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. Oh, my God. So if he's telling you to turn your back on everything that's in Matthew chapter 5, right, and Luke chapters 1 through 7 or 1 through 6, think so um but definitely definitely a sermon on the mount please read the sermon on the mount and then compare and then compare it to what your black pastor is out there teaching but again i ask what is the appeal why are you doing that knowing how these people feel about you knowing what these people are doing to you how they're punching you in the face and kicking you in the nuts and then turning around and telling you that they're not doing on it like judge judy said they're peeing on your head and they're telling you it's raining. What is the appeal in this? What is the appeal? Now, if that's not enough of a kick in the nuts, right? The neighborhoods you live in. Now, you know, the, everybody knows about the hood. I mean, come on. Some rap after rap after rap has been made dedicated to what's been going on in the hood for decades, right? I mean, I grew up in L.A. I mean, come on, right? Under Tom Bradley and... um under Tom Bradley and Daryl Gates and the whole gang wars and drug wars of the eighties in LA. My goodness, right? This is, it's still going on today. Look at what's going on in places like Baltimore, Chicago, St. Louis, New Orleans, um, Dallas and Houston and Memphis. And I can go on and on with all of these Democrat led cities that lead the league and um, that lead the league in crime. Then my computer's going crazy again. So let me see if I can, get this back to where it needs to be but these violent crime these violent crime ridden cities right that has large black population look at Atlanta look at uh, look at Atlanta look at places like Tulsa and uh, Birmingham and all these other cities that have huge urban sprawling black populations now what was the push at the during the George Floyd thing Defund the police, right? This is what the Democrats were saying. Defund the police. Defund the police. Democrat after Democrat after Democrat was saying this, right? Well, in my show notes, if you look at if you look at defunding the police, and they say Cory Bush and Mark Zuckerberg have something in common, and then I say defunding the police is deadly for blacks. It is. Fox News ran as Fox News ran an article. Massive increase in black Americans murdered was the result of defunding the police. Defunding the police movement, says the experts. And uh, and the article goes like this. Support of Black Lives Matter and calls to defund the police reverberated across America in the death of George Floyd, igniting social justice protests and riots at a time when the coronavirus and lockdowns upended society in unprecedented ways. I already talked about 
um, the lockdowns and stuff vis-a-vis the Democrat Party and why they were and why they were so adamant about blocking your return to work and your return to school and opening up the economy, which would have put more money in your pockets. But anyway, it says, um, what was last in 2020's wake was a massive increase in the number of murders dealing a disproportionate blow to black Americans. You understand how defunding the police kicks you in the nuts? Well, let me, let's go on. Certainly a protest and riots mid-2020 after the death of George Floyd followed a pattern of spiking violence that we've seen following past viral police incidents such as the death of Michael Brown and Freddie Gray. This pattern has been termed a Ferguson effect. Police pull back while violent crimes spike precipitously. Hannah Myers, director of policing and public safety initiative at the Manhattan Institute, told Fox News Digital. Murders across the board have spiked nearly 30% in 2020 compared to the year prior, according to FBI data, marking the largest single-year increase in killings since the agency began tracking the crimes. Among black Americans, the number of deaths spiked by more than 32% compared to 2019. In 2019, at least 7,484 black Americans were murdered. That murder shot up to at least 9,941 murders in 2020, meaning that there was an increase of 20 of 2,457 black Americans murdered over the previous year. The number of black murders was also far higher than white murders in 2020. The FBI data shows that there were 7,043 white people murdered that year, meaning 2,898 more black people were killed compared to whites. What else do you need to hear? This is because of defunding the police. This is because when you defund the police, the police don't have the funds to do what they need to do. The police leave and they don't, they, the police leave. So the police department shrinks and what, uh, what police are left don't have the proper equipment to do proper policing. And it disproportionately affects the black neighborhoods because the black neighborhoods in the, in the urban cities are where the most crime happens. And this is being championed by the Democrats, so much so that Cori Bush and I didn't save the um, and I didn't save the the clip from it, which probably a good thing too because I'll probably run out of time. But Cori Bush and Mark Zuckerberg both have something in common. That's another thing in the show notes. They both supported defunding the police, right? Yet and still, they paid. Huge sums of money. I think Mark Zuckerberg in the in the in the link in the show notes, he paid like forty three million dollars on personal security. Corey Bush paid a, a little over seventy thousand dollars on personal security. I will call you back in a little bit. Um, so we have Corey Bush say defund the police, defund the police, and then when when somebody says, "Hey, didn't you spend seventy thousand dollars on personal armed security? Why did you do that?" Her response was. Well, um, what do you want me to die? What if my life is in danger? Well, so is everybody else's. Why do you get private security? What, because you can afford it and they can't? How elitist of you. But that's what the Democrat Party thinks of you. Again, what is the appeal in keeping these people in office? What is the appeal in voting for these people if you know that this is what they think about you? They don't have anything, they don't have anything um, good in mind for you. They... They're screwing your education. They're screwing your right to. Um, they're screwing your right to raise your family. They're screwing with your ability ability to get in college. They're screwing with your safety and your. And just look at defunding the police and stripping of your Second Amendment right to do to 
to prove that. They don't care if you live or die. They just want your vote. I'm pretty sure they care if you die. Well, no, they don't even care if you die because if you die, then they they still won't clean the voter rolls. This will actually come out too. They still won't clean the voter rolls. They'll just put your name down as a vote for them. There have been case after case after case where dead people have voted Democrat. So they don't even care if you live or die because that's a vote regardless. So what is your what is the appeal to voting for them? What is it? Now, black people, there are some black people that are waking up. It's not like I'm saying there aren't any black people that are, you know, there's a slew of black conservatives out there. Um, and let's see. Oh, yeah, this is, my computer just like opening stuff on random now. Um, there's a slew of black people out there that are actually leaving the party. And there's one that I actually want to highlight. And her name is Misha Maynard. And if you give me, just gonna keep from shouting, I am. Oh, shame. Um, if you allow me the indulgence, and let me just re reload that. Okay, cool. Now, if you allow me, if you allow me the time to indulge myself, I want to talk about Misha Maynard for a second because Misha Maynard, she's braving a lot because this was a Democrat in the Democrat area of um, heavily Democratic, heavily black. Black Democrats, heavily black dem, uh, Democratic area of, will you stop? Of Atlanta, and she decided that. My goodness, hold on. She decided that she is going to leave the Democrat Party, and she did, and she switched to Republican. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to let's see if I have the. She divorced. So, I'm going to read to you an article from the Telegraph. And this Telegraph article explains that Misha Maynard had um, effectively divorced the Democrat Party and became a Republican, right? So this is from the Telegraph. A Democrat politician in Georgia has defected to the Republican Party in a row over defunding the police and school choice. Defunding the police and school choice. The two biggest things that the Democrats are kicking black people in the nuts for and telling, and telling them that they're not doing, that the Republicans doing it, but no, the Democrats, and I this damn near this whole show explaining how. But anyway, it says Democrat politician in Georgia has defected to the Republican Party over row, in a row over defunding the police and school choice. Nasha Maynard, a representative in the state legislature, says she had been the subject of harassment and intimidation by fellow Democrats after she split with them on a series of issues. In February, she voted with Republicans to limit the possible cuts in funding for law enforcement to no more than 5% annually. She then voted for another Republican bill to provide disadvantaged children with vouchers for private schools. These are things that black people support because they see what these policies are doing to their neighborhoods, and they've had, and had enough of it. You have, everybody's had enough of it as the blacks. She supports it. The Democrats turned their back on her, so she became a Republican. What was the um, – and, gee, I don't think I have that particular thing. I don't have that particular clip, the, the after effect. But what I want to play is her, and I want to – okay, that's fine. Uh, um, it keeps disconnecting me. That's what's up. I told you, this computer is going wonky. But what I want to do is I want to play Misha Maynard in her own words what happened to her. Because this woman, just for the quote-unquote 
crime of becoming of switching from Democrat to Republican has been subject to all kinds of racist abuse. Google it and you'll see it. All kinds of racist abuse. All kinds all kinds of um, sexist abuse. And there's a white legislator in Georgia right now that offered a thousand dollars to anybody to run against her. So their time's pretty limited anyway. And the fact that she's a Republican in a black area, which again, I okay, I have to say this. I'm sorry. If black people vote this women out, well, just because she went from Democrat to Republican, they probably they would have done the gravest disservice to black America in the history of Americans, because this is a woman that's standing up for your ability to raise your kids as you see fit, to educate your kids as you see fit. She's standing up for your ability. And if you turn around and vote her out because of that, because she had the audacity to become a Republican, then you deserve every little bit of what you get. I always tell people, especially if they're, especially if they're in, about people in abusive relationships, at some point, you have to wake up, and at some point, you have to understand that your life is in danger. If you don't understand by, by a certain point, maybe the fifth or sixth time in the hospital, that this person is going to kill you, and you don't leave because, oh, he's such a great person when he's actually not, then you, you kind of deserve what you have coming because it's, you, you're, at this point, is voluntary. You taking this abuse is voluntary now. And now that it's voluntary, you're getting what you deserve because you're, you're signing, you're literally signing up for this. I say the same thing to black people. If you see that the Democrats are kicking you in the nuts time and time again, punching you in the face time and time again, gaslighting you, lying to you, putting you through all kinds of mental abuse time and time again, and you still vote for them, at some point, you have to realize that it's voluntary, and you get what's coming. You deserve what's coming to you. Well, Misha Maynard stood up, and this is what I want to play for you. I want to play for you her own words. Don't listen to me. Listen to her. And if you vote this woman out because she went to Republican, then you deserve everything the Democrats are about to do to you. I want to play Misha Maynard. Cut. Go. I'm State Representative Misha Maynard, and recently I found myself in the crosshairs of my Democratic caucus. In the Georgia House of Representatives, I represent a solidly blue and highly diverse district, and I have never hesitated and will never hesitate to vote for the best interests of the communities I represent over party politics. I support school choice, parent rights, and opportunities for children to thrive, especially those that are marginalized and attend a failing school. The Democrats at the Capitol took a hard position and demanded every Democrat vote against children and for the teachers' union. I voted yes for parents and yes for children, not failing schools. Some of the schools I represent have a 3% reading proficiency, or children can't do simple math. So I have a few colleagues upset with me to the point where they are giving away $1,000 checks to anyone that will run against me. I'm not apologizing because my colleagues don't like how I vote. When my community loves the fact that someone is finally sticking up for them and holding these systems accountable. Let's be real. Parents do not want their child trapped in a failing school. And they aren't frustrated with teachers. They're upset with the elected leaders 
that put the teachers' union and donors ahead of their constituents. If you listen to the people working so hard to push me out of office, you think I actually did something wrong. But in reality, they are upset I didn't do what they demanded, like a good little girl. But it's ironic. I'll say every election year, I hear black lives matter. But do they? I see every other minority being prioritized except black children living in poverty that can't read. We'll send a million dollars to the border for immigrant services, but black communities, not even a shout out. I'm sorry. I don't agree with this. I'm not backing down, and I'm actually just getting started. What else do you need to hear? You heard it from the mouth of a black woman who represents a black neighborhood, a black area. Misha Maynard tells you. She tells you what's wrong. She tells you the problem. 3% proficiency in math, 2% proficiency in reading. Is that what you want for your kids, to not be able to pull them out of these schools? Do you want your kids growing up in crime-infested neighborhoods? Billions of dollars the Democrats send to Ukraine. Republicans, too. Let me not let me not get it twisted. A bunch of swampy freaking and military industrial complex loving Republicans that are in with the Democrats doing this. But this is what they're doing. Joe Biden signs off signs off on all the on all the things. Congress uh Congress drafts it up, Joe Biden signs it. Billions of dollars of being printed up and sent it up sent out to Iraq. Billions of dollars being being sent to um being sent to China. Billions of dollars being sent everywhere. Yet the black community gets what? What have you gotten out of any of this? What? What have you, what can you say that you've honestly, that's honestly benefited? What What can you say from any part of this administration? Can you say honestly benefited from you, that you benefited from? What can you say living in your neighborhoods that are ran by Democrats that, what what claim do you have to to anything beneficial? Is what I'm trying to ask. I, I can't even formulate the words. It's crazy to me to think that the party that ignores you, they punch you, they kick you in the nuts, they lie to you, they gaslight you for hundreds of years throughout history, even to present day. They eviscerate your schools. They eviscerate your neighborhoods. They eviscerate your police forces. Um, putting your public safety in danger, and then every two years they ignore you for two whole years. Then they come out. They come around asking for your vote. You vote for them, eighty-five, ninety, ninety percent in every election, and then after the election, they go back to kicking you in the nuts and kicking you in the teeth and burning down your neighborhoods and driving up your unemployment rate and ignoring you when it comes to funding and ignoring your schools and ignoring your calls for increased police forces. They go, they go through all of this. While people like Bill Gates, people like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, they're living high off the hog. Thanks to the Democrats. Again, I ask you, what is the appeal Throughout this show, I've given you 
point after point after point of how you're being abused. Again, if what the Democrat Party has done historically and continues to do to black people, if this was one person doing it to another person, you would tell that other person, you need to leave your boyfriend or girlfriend or whoever the hell it is that's abusing you. You need to leave them and divorce them. You would try your best to get that person away from their abusive partner. Yet, when a political party does it to you, and then somebody comes along and says, dude, this is what the Democrat Party is doing to you. You need to leave them. Like, they have nothing good. They don't have any intentions for you that are good. And as a matter of fact, if you keep following their ideology, not only will you have come down from about 30% of the population to 12 and a half, you're going to go from 12 and a half to about two. But the person who, the person who comes in and says that, they get called a coon. They get called Sambo. They get called Uncle Tom. They get called Uncle Ruckus. They get called Stephen. Why? Because we're following the party that actually supported the end of slavery, that actually fought to end slavery, that actually voted 100% for the three citizenship citizenship rights amendments, 13, 14, and 15, that put together every civil rights package in the history of this country all the way from the 19 the end of the world war ii late 1940s early 1950s all the way to 1964 when it was finally signed but because we support that party because we support the party that supports school choice we support the party that supports religion something that 85 percent of you say you subscribe to because we support the party that defends second amendment rights that defends the Constitution, that defends freedom and liberty, that defends, that defends cap- prosperity in the capitalist society. Because we support that party, we're the coon, we're the sambo, we're the Uncle Ruckus, we're the Uncle Tom. Yet, when somebody points out to you what the party that you support is doing to you, you turn a blind eye to all of that. At some point, you have to wake up. And I'm running out of time. But at some point, you have to wake up and you have to realize that if you don't get this massive divorce from the Democrat Party, and at this point, I literally don't care where you go, but you got to get away from the Democrats. Um, and don't, don't, don't get away from the Green Party, too, because the, the Green Party is another extension of the Democrats. Peace and freedom, another extension of the Democrats. But... It doesn't matter if you go Republican. It doesn't matter if you go Independent. It doesn't matter if you go Libertarian. Get the hell away from anything on the left. That's the Democrats. That's the Peace and Freedom. That's the Socialists, Democrat Socialists of America. That's the American Nazi Party and the American, what is that, the American Communist Party, the American Workers Party, all these other stupid little fringe parties that are just offshoots of leftism that are to the left of freaking Mao and Stalin. Don't look at those. Look at a party that's actually going to support what you support. Misha Maynard did. Misha Maynard understood that the Republican Party supports the things that are good for black people, which is why she left the Democrat Party in great danger to her political career and um, joined the Republicans. And again, if black people vote her out for that, they've done the greatest disservice to blacks that has ever been committed against them in the history of this country. Anyway, That's it for me. I got to go. 
next, oh no, not even next week, back here tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm going to be back, probably about 11, and we're going to talk about, I'm going to do my Second Amendment special. The reason why is because I have, in Washington, Western Washington, there's this huge thing involving like Taylor Swift and that bullshit. But, so I'm going to be working to, because that needs to be, that needs to be handled. Um, not that I particularly like Taylor Swift, but I understand that things are just going to be hectic where I am because of her. So I've got to I've got to work all next weekend because of that. So I'm going to do my Second Amendment special tomorrow, and we're going to talk about guns and our love for guns. And I'm going to talk about the two that I have. I know other people have like 12 and 13 and 15. I only have two, but then again, that's all I really need. Um, I have my open carry and my concealed carry. Uh, I kind of don't see the need for any more unless I decide to go with something with a different caliber. Now, I, I didn't really like the nine mil, uh, not the nine mil. I like nine mil. The 40 cals are yeah, marginal, but um, I do like nine mil. I might get one of those, but <laughs> we're going to do that. We're going to talk about the second minute special, but, and that'll be tomorrow at 11. Be sure to tune in. But my closing statement is this to this whole show, wrapping this up. To, at some point, again, going back to what I just said, at some point, you have to realize that you're supporting a party that has gone increasingly communist um, over the last, I'd say, decade, maybe two. If you don't understand the implications of that, not just even notwithstanding what, what I've proven to you that the throughout the course of this show that the Democrat Party is doing to you, I urge you, if you don't understand what it means to go communist, to flip your ideology, and again, a lot, the reason why a lot of Democrats are leaving the Democrat Party are be, is because they understand that the Democrat is going increasingly more communist. If you don't understand the implications of that, I'll ask you, I beg you, go to... Go to somewhere like a hotel or something, like maybe a four-star that has housekeeping. A lot of older Eastern European women are housekeepers at hotels, okay? There's a lot of them. Not, not most of them, but a good, a good amount of them, right? But find an old-school Eastern Bloc woman, somebody who came from Serbia, from Croatia, from Czechoslovakia, who grew up in that Eastern Bloc, and ask them what it was like growing up under the communist regime of the Soviet Union. Ask them what they will tell you. If what they tell you doesn't open your eyes, you are hopeless. That's it. Anyway, yes. Um, catch me tomorrow at 11. Catch me tomorrow at 11. We're doing the Second Amendment special. Make something good of yourselves.